And welcome back in. It's Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. David Shoemate and Dave Harding with you here from high atop Wallace Wade Stadium as we count you down to kick off 19 days away from the start of the football season for the Blue Devils looking for a seventh bowl game and what would be eight years, David. It's really incredible when you put in that perspective, thinking about the arc of the history of the program, uh, but what they've done recently under David Cutcliffe. Yeah, it definitely is. And a lot of that is because Coach Cutcliffe's been able to keep uh, the same staff together for uh, many years. And a lot of people have been here since he first got to Duke. Uh, does a great job of keeping that family nucleus intact. Including Derek Jones, the associate head coach who also works with the defensive backs and joins us now. And uh, coach, I know you just got off the practice field, but uh, this time of year it gets really busy for you guys. But, but boy, you've got some talent to work with on the defensive side of the football. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We've got, you know, a lot of talent. We've got some depth. So and I'm very excited about, you know, what we can do, um, not only right now, but in the future. Coach had your first scrimmage on Saturday uh, and the defense really shined several takeaways and the defensive backs in particular uh, looked really good. Michael Carter leading the way. What do you like from your your secondary uh, situation this year a lot of returning players but uh, a chance to maybe get after some opposing offenses yeah I think the key is what you just said you know Michael Carter is the key to the flexibility that we have in the secondary you know he's the guy that can play outside he can play inside and he's got um, as good a cover skills as anybody that I've had you know in my 12 years here and that enables you to be a lot of things because what offenses like to do is they like to find mismatches and if they can find one mismatch it kind of handicaps you in the secondary because now you have to come up with schemes to be able to double a guy or be able to you know roll to a guy whatever it is it kind of takes you out of what you're doing and in addition to him you know we've got Josh Blackwell who's coming along we've got Marquise Waters who's a veteran guy and you know just a lot of guys that have had playing experience back there which enable us to be able to go into games confident you talked about 12 years here and and how offenses they, they have a tendency to try to attack those weaknesses but what have you and a lot of that doesn't change over time and we talk about how Duke football and the program has been built because some of the things have been so consistent as a coach, though, in the ACC, what has been the biggest change for you uh, that you've seen that opposing offenses are do doing now to where you've had to adjust maybe your defensive philosophy or the way you coach your position to get guys ready for games on Saturday? I think a lot of people nowadays are uh, more dependent on the pass game um, than the run game. You know, everybody's going to spread, you know, everybody's into fast-paced offenses, everybody's into scoring a lot of points. So that means putting the ball in the air. Whereas when we got here in 2008, it wasn't so much of that. You know, everybody was still trying to run the ball for the most part and control the clock. So, you know, with that evolution, you know, we've had to make changes as far as our end. And what it really boils down to is getting – not necessarily better talent, but enough talented guys to enable us to do that. You know, the one problem you run into in collegiate football is injuries. And you can look really good on paper going into a season, and you can look really good playing a game or two, but if you lose one or two key guys, that changes the entire face of what you're trying to do. It changes your game planning, and it changes your philosophy. So I think what we've had to do is to be able to get enough depth and enough positions and enough guys that are versatile with versatile being the key word to enable us to be able to maintain the same things that we work on. Because when you go through spring ball and you work a certain technique and you work a certain scheme, you know, it's kind of hard during the middle of the season to change that because you lose a guy or two. 
Coach, it's an interesting thing you bring up with all the offenses going spread and, and going five wide and, and everything like that. You've been around the game for a long time. Just big picture, just curious from your perspective, uh, why do you think the offenses are trending that way? You know, I think it's uh, what's popular, you know. From the time yeah. we're all kids, everybody goes with what's popular. And you look at it and, you know, this is college football. And college football comes prestige, it comes popularity, and it comes money. And I think what's happening is you're getting these coaches, offensive coordinators that are putting up big numbers and they're getting head coaching jobs. And you're getting these head coaches that are offensive guys and, you know, they're going to championships. So, you know, we live in a copycat society. And I think what's working is what people want to do. And that's kind of the evolution of where the game has gotten to. You know, people look at situations and say, well, you know, they're doing it, so if you can't beat them, join them. We're visiting with Associate Head Coach Derek Jones of the Duke football program. And, uh, Coach, when you look at this defense, I think everybody's eyes are to some degree going to be drawn at the start of the season uh, to the linebacker position just simply because Joe Giles-Harris and Ben Humphreys have been such a, a big part of this program the last several years leading the linebacking core. If you could just kind of take us through what you've seen from some of the guys who are going to be stepping into those holes and, and how you think it's going to impact things going into this fall. Yeah, you know, Joe and Ben were, you know, very, very productive players for us. They were both good leaders, and that's a heavy blow anytime you lose one guy, much less two guys like that at the same time. But the positive to that is, you know, some of the guys that are playing for us right now are in the room with Joe and Ben, and they were under the leadership of those guys, and they bring the same caliber of athleticism. You know, Joe was a very, very productive guy, and he played a lot of snaps. And, you know, Brandon Hill was kind of right there on his heels, mimicking everything he did. And, you know, now he's in position to be able to step in and do that. And I think what Brandon brings to us, you know, is a speed at the linebacker position, you know, that we haven't had in a long time. And then you slide on. Kobe Quans is a guy that's been battle-tested, and he's a guy that's a physical guy and, you know, has an experience for us. <clears throat> and then when you look at Shocker Hayward, Shocker, in my opinion, may be the most physical specimen of a linebacker that we've had in our entire tenure here. You know, he's a young guy that is inexperienced, but he runs around and he makes a lot of plays that, you know, guys that don't have his physical ability don't make. So I'm excited about, you know, where we can go with that. I think any time you look at a position, having played the game of football and, you know, being in the coaching profession now for 21 years, you know, when you're playing behind somebody, you know, you just kind of sit in that space. But all of a sudden when you get your opportunity, you know it's your opportunity to blossom. You know, when you're playing behind somebody and you get a shot, a lot of times you're looking over your shoulder worried about if I make a mistake, you know, am I going to get pulled out? And, you know, it doesn't enable you to play as fast or as aggressive as you want to play. But when it's your time, you know, it's your position and you're in control. So you get that feeling of leadership. And I think that's what we've seen out of, you know, Brandon Hill and Kobe Kwanzaa in particular. And I've just been very, very pleased with what I've seen, you know, out of Shaka Haywood thus far. And, you know, we've got depth with Zander Gagnon and Rocky Shelton. So I feel pretty good about the position. Duke associate head coach and defensive backs coach Derek Jones joining us on the Duke Takeover Day. Coach, a lot of uh, that depth that you talk about comes from having success on the recruiting trail, and you're one of the better coaches in the country at, at going out and, and making these relationships with uh, the young student athletes and, and high schools across America. One of the ways, though, I think that, that you've really taken advantage of doing that is through social media. And if you guys don't follow Coach Jones, you've got to get on you know, Twitter at the very least, at Duke Coach DJ. Over 51,000 people have decided to, to follow along uh, to some of your things. But you know, I'm, I'm curious, 
you, you post all sorts of different things, behind-the-scenes type looks. I saw a late night in the defensive meeting room <laughs> the other night with some pizza and wings, all the way down to these inspirational quotes. Uh, how much of an emphasis do you put on, on social media, and what do you think that that does? You talk about the game evolving. That's just the way our society has evolved uh, for building relationships on the recruiting trail now. You know, uh, we live in a social media society right now. And more than anything, I think if you're a coach and you're in recruiting, if you're not evolving to that, then you're getting left behind. Social media allows you to be able to make a phone call to 51,000 people at once. Social media allows you to be able to write a note to 51,000 people at once. Social media allows you to be able to put something in the head of not only 51,000, but the other 10,000 that don't want to let people know that they're following you because they're your competition. And I think what that does is you get up and you do it, and for the rest of the day, social media is working for itself. You know, I've been, you know, very, very heavily involved in Twitter for a while now, and, you know, I go places all over the country, whether it's a clinic, whether it's a convention, or whether it's on a recruiting trail, and high school coaches and opposing coaches and everybody alike are like, man, you know, you kill it on Twitter. You know, you, you're grinding, you're doing this, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really grinding. I'm just consistent. <laughs> you know, I get up in the morning, and I'm just consistent in putting up three or four quotes, and they work for themselves the rest of the day. Anybody in their right for mind that knows what we do for a living knows that we can't live on the phone all day because we have way too many things that are going on. But I think if you have the ability to be able to reach people, uh, you may take advantage of it. And what it does, it shows people your character. It shows people your personality. It shows student athletes, you know, who you are, what you're going to be teaching, how you teach. It shows high school coaches the same thing because they're encouraging their kids to, you know, go under the leadership of somebody that's going to continue to teach them the way that they have. But I think what it does more than anything else, it allows you to have a voice with people even when you don't have a voice. You know, in college recruiting, we have dead periods. We're limited um, as far as when we can contact these guys. And with the early signing day and with everything having moved up, and things moving so fast now. You know, we've got guys coming out of the ninth and 10th grade with double-digit offers. This is a way to be able to contact them or have contact with them when you are technically not supposed to have contact with them. They know who I am oftentimes before I ever know who they are. And, you know, when you hear this, you listen to it, you just have to continue to wake up every day and think of a way to, you know, compete not only with your competition but yourself. The way I look at it is as long as – We've got something out there in the airways with Duke football on it. It's worth doing it. That's why my Twitter name in itself is at Duke Coach DJ, because I want people understanding and knowing that it's Duke football. You know, having come here in 2008, if you know anything about the Duke football program, you know why we put such an emphasis on that, because Duke was associated only with basketball. So now any time that they read anything of mine, they've got to say Duke before it happens. And, you know, we've taken something that wasn't known to a lot of people and made it a very, very popular item on social media. So, I mean, it works for me. Yeah, you, you do a great job at it. I try to take st things. I, I'll wake up with a tweet idea and want to post it, but I can't. It, it pales in comparison to anything. <laughs> I put Scrolling through the uh, your, your timeline, actually, I see your Twitter feed that the football team on Sunday went to Union Baptist in Durham, a typical uh, camp activity where we go worship with uh, some of our, our neighbors uh, in the Durham community. And the, the team got up, or part of the team got up to sing with the men's choir, and you posted a video, which reminded me of another video I saw on social media of you singing at a, a 
wedding <laughs> earlier in the summer. Oh, wow. Uh, can you give us a, a, a rundown of what happened there? I think it was Jeff Ferris, was it not? Another coach. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, when you spend as much time as we do together, you become family. And ironically, um, that's a song that – I sing all the time. I've got a karaoke machine at my house, and I often invite the guys from the staff over to my house to fellowship and have a good time. So I pull it out a lot. Uh, naturally, we're in the locker rooms together. We share showers or whatnot, so I'm always singing. And actually, Coach Guerrero was married the weekend before Coach Ferris, and we were just kind of hanging around at Coach Guerrero's reception. And he walked up to me, and he asked me, do I mind singing Tennessee whiskey? So, you know, Coach Guerrero is like my little brother. So, you know, he asked, of course, I obliged. And um, I sung a song, and, you know, whether it sounded good or not, everybody seemed to enjoy it. It sounded great, by the way. <laughs> I was there. It was beautiful. So I'm laying in my bed Sunday morning, and I get a call from Coach Ferris. And, you know, Coach Ferris, uh, I don't think he ever sleeps. So, you know, you get a phone call from him early in the morning. You have no idea what he's wanting. I just assumed that he was calling me, telling me some recruit was about to call me before I woke up, which is difficult for him to do. But he told me that his wife had told him to, uh, well, his fiance at the time had told him to call me and ask me if I would sing that for their first song. And I honestly thought he was joking. I really did. And I was like, you know, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you know, it was going to be our wedding song anyway. Um, she wants you to sing it. And I'm like, hey, man, if that's what she wants, that's what I'll give her. So, you know, we went through with it, and uh, it worked out perfect. And at that point in time, it really didn't matter how it sounded. It just really showed the bond that we have here um, at Duke University. You know, Jeff was one of my players, and, you know, Coach Guerrero was my graduate assistant colleague. Now he's our defensive coordinator. So just one big happy family having a good time. The way I looked at it, even though it was a wedding reception, it was no different than being here in this office with nobody else listening. Well, now I'm interested. So when you fire up that karaoke machine, outside of yourself, obviously, who can really carry a tune? And, and give us the name of someone whose vocal skills are, are a work in progress. Well, what I think is this. I am more of an entertainer than a than a singer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't be hearing no albums of mine coming out anytime soon. And my songs are always going to be a little pitchy. My songs are always going to be a little <laughs> off note. But if you know me, that's just DJ. But a guy on the staff that can really, really sing is Fred Walker. Fred Walker is a guy that I think if he took up singing full time, he might have a career. And when you talk about a guy that can't hold a note, that better coach football for the rest of his life or find something else to do, it's got to be my other little brother, Raekwon Boyette. Oh, wow. He's awful. <laughs> <laughs> coach, we got about two, three minutes here. Real quick before you go, uh, if you could kind of boil it down to a couple of things that, that you think are going to be keys for Duke, particularly on defense this year, to have success. You know, I think uh, the one thing that you can't control is injuries. Um, so I think that our – depth has to be ready to play and step in you know i think right now we're as good as we've been you know when you look at our ones across the board collectively um but you know we've got some really young guys um with our twos some guys that haven't played some guys that just stepped on campus very talented but very inexperienced at the same time so our guys got to do a really good job not only of preparing themselves on the field, but preparing themselves off the field to enable us to be able to run the same things and enable Coach Guerrero to be as versatile as he, as he needs to be in order for us to compete. And I think the other key thing we've got to do is, you know, we've got to make sure that, you know, as the season goes on, 
we maintain our strength, we maintain our conditioning. You know, Coach built this program on discipline and conditioning. And when you look at it, you know, we've beaten a lot of teams that may have been more talented than us in the past because we were more conditioned. But each new year brings a different mentality, and it brings a new group, and it brings new people. So, you know, there are guys on our team that, you know, are in the best shape of their lives right now. But if you look at them eight to ten weeks, if they don't maintain that, they could be back to being – you know, in as bad a shape as they've been. So I think we've got to, as coaches, manage that. But more importantly, each individual person on the team knows that they've got to stay on the top of their game as far as a conditioning standpoint to enable us to be able to get through the 12 regular season games and whatever comes to us in the postseason. Well, we're definitely looking forward to it. As we said, we know it's really busy for you this week, but we appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Coach. Yep, that's Derek Jones, the associate head coach of the Duke football program. And we'll come back with more of Duke Day on the David Glenn Show in just a moment.